0: Heavenly Father, we recognise that you are good and what you do is good. O Lord, we therefore ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning your good decrees so that we would live according to your good ways. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, this Easter Sunday, we're examining uh, this narrative here in Acts chapter 3. Uh, We see in this passage that Peter and John who are apostles of the Lord Jesus, who are with Jesus for his whole ministry, and then, of course, uh, witnesses of his death and then his resurrection. They heal this lame man at the temple. It's quite a great miracle because we read in verse 2 of chapter 3 there that the man had been crippled from birth. And so, therefore, the result of this healing of this lame man is quite remarkable to people. Uh, They see this and they come running. Uh, We see them uh, in verse 9... Uh, praising, uh, recognising that this man is the man who was always there, uh, crippled at the temple. We see in verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And as a result, what do we read in verse uh, 11? While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And so what does Peter do as a result of all these people suddenly gathering around him after this man has been healed? Well, Peter takes the opportunity to explain, to explain why the man was healed, how the man has been healed. And what does Peter firstly make clear? Well, he makes clear how the man was not healed by their power or their godliness. We see that in verse 12. Look with me at verse 12 of Acts chapter 3. When Peter saw this he said to the men of Israel why does this surprise you why do you stare at us as if by at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk so as he explains this great miracle to the people who have come running curious about what has happened uh, he wants to make clear that it is not by his power his godliness or john's power or john's godliness that the man can walk so whose power has enabled this man to walk well Peter is very clear that it's Christ's power. It's Jesus' power. We see in verse 16, look with me at verse 16 of Acts chapter 3. Verse 16 says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Very clear that it is Christ. It is Jesus who has made this man well, who has healed this man. But who is Jesus? Well, Peter explains who Jesus is in the verses earlier. Verse thirteen of Acts chapter uh, three, we read: "The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus." So, who is Jesus? He's a servant of the Lord. Who else? What else do we know about Jesus? Verse thirteen: "You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go." Who is Jesus? Jesus is the man that the Jews had murdered, had killed. A number of days earlier a few months before this event took place they had killed and murdered this man and as on good friday this this a uh, couple of days ago for us we remembered how the lord jesus was crushed how he was crucified and murdered by the jews at the time but what else do we learn about jesus in this passage he was murdered yes he was killed but also he was raised from the dead Verse 15, after verse 14, where Peter says that they had uh, killed this this uh, one and asked that a murderer would be released in his place. We recognize in verse 15 that he was also raised to life. Verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. And how do they know? Well, Peter and John are eyewitnesses of the risen Jesus. Verse 15 says, you killed the author of life, But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. They are witnesses of the empty tomb, which we saw in Mark 16, that the women were witnesses of. But they also witnessed the risen Lord. They saw him in the flesh with a risen body. And they are witnesses of that. But what hope then is there? What hope then is there for the people as they hear that they have killed Jesus Christ, that they have murdered God's Messiah, Well, Peter gives them hope. He tells them that their sin of murdering Jesus plus all their sin can be forgiven. How's that? Well, it's by repentance. Look with me at verse 17. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 3 says, Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Christ would suffer. What should they do? Verse 19 Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. What should the people do as they find out that they have murdered God's Messiah, that they handed Him over to be killed? They should repent. They should. Turn from their sin. That's what repentance means. It means turning from going your own way to going God's way. Turning from sin and unrighteousness to turning to what is right, to turning towards righteousness. It's a change of mind, a change of behaviour, which comes through the change of mind. That you're no longer going to serve yourself, but you're going to serve God. And what happens then if you repent of your sins? Well, we see in verse 19 and 20 that your sins are wiped out, times of refreshing come. And, of course, the Lord Jesus will return one day and take you to be with him. But if you do not repent, then your sin remains. You are still guilty, Peter is telling the Jews. You are still guilty of murdering the Lord Jesus. And therefore, what will happen? Well, verse 23 tells us. Verse 23, anyone who does not listen to him, that does not listen to Jesus... And repent will be completely cut off from among his people. Now, one day you'll be completely cut off. Why? Because they have murdered God's Messiah. They've killed the author of life and they've killed themselves in the process. They've put themselves to death because that is the punishment that they deserve for murdering God's Messiah. And so they therefore are cut off from God and one day they'll be cut off for eternity in hell. And the same truths that are here today, uh, that are here in this text, apply to us today. That's why we're looking at this passage. It still has relevance for us today. Peter preached to the Jews, but he also preaches to us today, even while he is dead and with the Lord. He preaches to us in this passage. What have we done? What have we done? How is this passage relevant to us today? Well, we too have killed the author of life. What Peter says in verse 15 applies to us as well. Look with me at verse 15. He says to the Jews there, you killed the author of life. And that is what we are guilty of as well. We have killed the author of life. How? By rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. By rejecting Jesus, by rejecting God and seeking to rule our lives our way without God, without Christ, we're effectively putting Jesus to death. We don't want him in our lives and therefore we are murdering him when we disown him and disdain him. And what does that then mean? We're killing the source of life. We are attempting to kill the source of life. These words that are here in verse 15, where it says you killed the author of life, could actually be translated as you killed the source of life. It's a word that can be translated in a number of different ways, and some translations even translate it that way. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translated it as, translates it in that way, that you have killed the source of life. That is what we have done when we reject Jesus. We have killed the source of life. How is Jesus the source of life, though? How is he the author of life? How is he the source of life? Well, he has life in himself. We depend on other things to provide us with life jesus is self-sustaining he has life within himself we read in john chapter 5 verse 26 for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son to have life in himself jesus as the son of god is not dependent upon creation in fact creation is dependent upon him and that is how he is also the source of life how is jesus the source of life well he has created all things We read in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, which we understand to be a reference to Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then this amazing statement comes about this Word. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So if something has been made, if something is created, then Jesus is responsible for the creation of that thing, for giving it life. And so as we look around at all the things that have been made around us, we have to understand that Jesus is the source of life for those things. So Jesus is the source of life in himself. He is the source of life in creating all things. But Jesus is also the source of life in sustaining all things. We understand in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for by him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him, affirming what we've just read there in John chapter 1, that all things have been made by him. But what does verse 17 say in Colossians chapter 1? He is before all things and in him all things hold together. The only th- reason things in this room are not going all over the place is because he is holding them together. The only reason things are existing in this room is because Jesus is right here holding everything together as the source of life. And scripture teaches us that he is not only the source of material life, but he is the source of spiritual life. John chapter 1, verse 4 says, "...in him was life, and that life was the light of men." The reason we have any spiritual life, any sort of morality, any sort of holiness, is because Jesus is the light of men. He is the one who gives life to men so that they live righteous lives. And how else is Jesus the source of life? He's the source of life in himself. He's the source of life for creating all things. He's the source of life for sustaining all things. He's the source of spiritual life. but He's also the source of eternal life. He is the source of eternal life. 1 John 5 verse 11 says, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. How do we have eternal life? It is only in his son. And of course, that wonderful statement that we have in John chapter 11 teaches this so clearly. John chapter 11, where Jesus is is about to raise Lazarus from the dead and he says to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live Even though he dies, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Amazing statement from this man, Jesus Christ, that he is the source of eternal life. He is the resurrection and the life. So then what does it mean if you kill the source, the author of life, the source of all created life, the source of sustaining life, the source of spiritual life, the source of eternal life well he won't stay dead he won't stay dead if he is the source of all life then of course he won't stay dead it's not surprising then that we read in this passage before us this morning that God raised the source of life from the dead bodily many years ago and that's what we see in verse 15 it says you killed the author of life an amazing statement in itself that you could you could kill the author of life but what do we read in the next part but God raised him from the dead. It's not surprising. If he is the source of life, he won't stay bodily dead. If you somehow are successful in putting him to death, and we see that testified too in Mark chapter 16, that he was raised from the dead, the angels told the women. And therefore, if he is the source of life, it's not surprising that he keeps coming back into our lives. That he keeps coming back into our lives even as we try to kill him in our lives. As we try to suppress the truth. As people try to suppress the truth, it's not surprising that the truth keeps bubbling up in them. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And as they try to suppress Jesus, as they try to kill him in their lives, he keeps on bubbling up. They may have killed Jesus off fairly well enough when they were younger. But it's interesting when someone's later on in life they suddenly have this interest in Jesus again. Or there's some sort of acknowledgement of Jesus comes up in their life. They thought they had eradicated him from their life. But he is the source of life. So therefore it's not surprising if he is sustaining you each day that somehow he will make himself known to you even as you try to put him to death in your life. And it's not surprising then if he is the source of life that one day he will return. He will return bodily and make himself known to you or one day you'll be taken when you die to see him at the judgment throne itself if he is the source of life then one day you will meet him despite your attempts to murder him to reject him to cast him out of your life and it's not surprising then if he is the source of life that one day you will be cut off from his people if he has power to sustain you now, to create you and sustain you, then he has the power to do what he has promised, that if you murder him and do not repent, then he will condemn you for all of eternity and punish you accordingly. He has the power to do so as the source of life. So as we read this passage, we see that we are like the Israelites of that day so many years ago when Peter preached to them. How so? We are guilty of killing the source of life by our rejection of Jesus Christ. And every time we sin, in one way, we are murdering Christ Jesus. We don't want him to rule our lives. Instead, we want to rule our lives ourselves. But how else are we like the, uh, like the Israelites so many years ago? Well, we see that the source of life will not stay dead for us. Jesus is alive bodily in heaven itself now, and he's also alive spiritually here amongst us now, that he continues to rise as much as we try to suppress him, to put him to death. And how else are we like the Israelites? Well, we deserve to be cut off from his people for all eternity as well for trying to kill him, for trying to kill the source of life. What have we done, just like the Israelites so many years ago? All we have done is killed ourselves, ultimately. Jesus won't stay dead. We can try and kill him. And we may successfully kill him for some time within our lives. But he won't stay dead. And all we end up doing is killing ourselves. So what are we to do like the Israelites so many years ago? We are to repent. We're to turn to God. Why? So that our sins may be wiped away and the times of refreshing may come. As it says there in the text to us, verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, including your suppression of Jesus Christ, your rejection of Jesus, and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that one day, if you are repentant, He may send the Christ who has been appointed for you and you'll be taken to be with him in heaven. That's the ultimate refreshment. That's the time of refreshing that we're really looking forward to. We as Christians do experience a time of refreshing here on earth as we turn to God and the Holy Spirit works in us and we experience the joy and the taste of heaven, but we're really looking forward to that time, that refreshing time when Jesus will take us to be with him for eternity in heaven. So are you still in the business of murdering Jesus Christ, suppressing the truth about Christ? Are you someone who denies Christ's existence, denies his divinity, denies his humanity, denies his death, denies the significance of his death, his sacrificial death, for those who have sinned against him? Are you someone who denies his resurrection? You may affirm that Jesus lived as a man, may affirm that he died, do you deny his resurrection do you realize what you are doing you are killing the source of life by denying him you are killing the source of life and do you realize the foolishness of doing that of killing the source of life you can never ultimately do it it's stupid it's like trying to attack the sun the source of life here on earth for all plants you try to attack it you can't do it jesus is the son of righteousness If we try to kill him we cannot do it and what do we do instead we just do damage to ourselves we kill ourselves for eternity in hell we condemn ourselves as we reject the source of all life i was trying to understand this and trying to get an idea as to how we could understand it uh, more clearly looking around for an illustration, I was a bit stuck this week. I've actually been preparing so many different sermons uh, for camp, for Good Friday, I've got six that I'm preaching in Turkey. Um, so my mind usually has one sermon to work on. At, and it's been at one point I was had like 10 different sermons floating around in my mind. And so I've been changing gears at different times and I'm even surprised whether I'd be able to get up here today and, and remember anything that i prepared this week. But as I was preparing this week for this Easter Sunday sermon, I was trying to work out what is a good illustration that can illustrate what it means that we tried to kill the source of life. And as I was sitting at my desk, I could hear in the distance the racket of a jackhammer going over at the childcare center, which we're renovating. Uh, My office is a little bit further distant than my house. Uh, Thankfully, it doesn't go at night. But we've been hearing the jackhammer going, working hard, but making a lot of noise at the same time. And suddenly, I had my illustration. What is sinful humanity like? They're like an electric jackhammer that's connected to a generator that is supplying it with electricity. And what does sinful humanity do as that jackhammer? It gets up on top of the generator and then, with the power that is coming from the generator, tries to kill the generator. It tries to kill the, jack- the generator. It jackhammers the generator. And what utter foolishness that is, to think of a workman getting his jackhammer that is powered by a generator, and gets up on top of the generator, and jackhammers that generator. What will he do? Well, he may kill the generator, yes. But what will he do as well at the same time? He kills himself. The jackhammer will cease to work if he destroys the generator that is powering him as he jackhammers. A jackhammer that does that deserves to die. It is utter foolishness to do that to the generator, to the source of its life. And that is what sinful humanity has done. It has jackhammered the source of life, God himself. But what does God do even after our attempts to kill the generator, the source of life? God repairs that generator. He repairs that generator. That's what we read in verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. God repairs that generator, so it is even more powerful. He raised Jesus Christ with a body that will never die, that does not feel pain or suffering, that will never die. And what else does God do in his mercy? He allows the jackhammers to plug back in to the generator again. But on a condition, on a condition, what can happen? The generator can, the jackhammer can come to life again, but on a condition. What is that condition? Well, we read of it here in verse 19. Repent, repent. If the jackhammer repents of its attack on the generator, God God himself, if the jackhammer repents of that attack, then he can have life again. And what is he supposed to do with that life? Not attack the generator, not attack God, but kill sin instead. Jackhammer sin. Jackhammer opposition to God. Opposition from own sinful self, opposition from the world, opposition from Satan towards God. That is what he is to jackhammer. That is what he is to kill. Not God. He is to use that life that God breathes into him To kill sin. To kill opposition to God. But you may be saying this morning, can I find another power source? can I find another power source? If I've destroyed Christ, surely I can plug into something else. Well, maybe you think you can kill the source of life and find another source of life, but there is no other source of life. There is no other generator. I said before that this word in verse 15 can be translated, the Greek word there can be translated as author. It can be translated as source, but some translations have it as prince, prince of life. And the idea there is that, and, and it comes from the Greek word that is first, the idea of first. There is no other one who is before, that no other source of energy. There is no other source of life. He is the first. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. There is no other source of life. And so if you do not plug into him, then you cannot have eternal life. Jesus teaches us this in John 14, verse 6. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other generator that you can plug into to have eternal life. If you have killed Jesus, there is no other option for you except to repent and plug into him once more. But how do we know any of this is true? Any of the things that I'm saying this morning? That Jesus is the source of life now and eternally. Well, it's by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can prove that the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not take place, what do you do? You kill all that I have said. Jesus is no longer the source of life because he has not come back to life himself. But what will you need to do? To prove, disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you'll have to deny the eyewitnesses like Peter and John so many years ago who witnessed the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you also have to deny the eyewitnesses even today who have seen the spiritual life that Jesus gives. Remember, Jesus gives physical life, but he also gives spiritual life. And there are many in this room that can testify to the life that flows through them now, the spiritual life that they have even as their bodies decay and die. You will have to deny the witnesses today. So are you still crying away with him, crucify him? Maybe not literally, or otherwise you wouldn't be here this morning. But are you not interested in having Jesus in your life at all? Don't you see what you're doing? You're killing him You may as well say away with him, crucify him as they did so many years ago. And won't you realise what you're doing then? That you are jackhammering the generator that gives you life even now. You're jackhammering your creator, your sustainer, the one who gives eternal life, the only one who gives eternal life. Won't you realise that you will never kill the source of life? You'll never kill the generator. You may have success for some time, just like they did so many years ago. They did crucify him. He did die, but he did not stay dead. They could not do it, and you cannot either. He will, simply will not stay dead as the source of life. And won't you realise that you're only killing yourself? You're only killing yourself now and for all of eternity. And one day you will be cut off. You will be cut off from God's people and condemned to hell. This Easter, I encourage you, if that is you, stop being foolish and repent. Repent. Turn to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop living for sin and your way and live for God's way. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that that Christ will be sent from God to take you to be with him for eternity in heaven. Won't you plug into Christ Jesus this Easter, the great generator of life, the only generator of life? Plug into him by repentance so that you have spiritual life now and that one day you will have physical life for all of eternity in heaven. And if you have repented, if you have repented of your attempts to kill the source of life and we're in this room, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of murder. We've all tried to suppress the truth. We've all tried to murder Jesus in some way at some time to our shame. But if we have repented, what should you do? You should rejoice with thanksgiving. Rejoice with thanksgiving for the source of life's mercy in allowing us to plug back into Him even after we tried to kill Him. We should rejoice with thanksgiving. How should we rejoice? Well, we should rejoice like that man that we see in Acts chapter 3. We should rejoice like ones who were crippled from birth. From birth, we were people who were hostile to God. But then we have been healed. We have been healed. I love this man. He's one of the men that I'd love to see in heaven one day. John chapter 9 also has this man who was blind, who was healed by Jesus. I'd love to meet that guy too. But this guy, you just see his delight As he, verse 8, we read, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And then we see that he's holding on to Peter and John in verse 11. He's just so excited. That's how we should be. We were crippled from birth. We were hostile to God from birth. We were murderers from birth. But then God in his mercy has healed us, has saved us. We should rejoice like who? We should rejoice like ones who were destined to eternal prison for murder, but have been set free, have been set free. Rejoice like ones who have life again, despite being murderers, and should justly be condemned for all eternity as murderers but instead we have been justified, we've been declared righteous in a court of law, God's court of law, the only court that ultimately matters. We've been declared righteous because Christ has paid the penalty for us and wiped away our sins with his blood. We should rejoice as ones who have proof of eternal life. We should rejoice as ones who have been crippled from birth and have been healed, as ones who have been destined for prison, as murderers and have been set free, We should also rejoice, why? Because we have proof of eternal life. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We read the scriptures and we see the proof that is there, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And then we see in our own lives the spiritual life that we have. We have proof as we look at our lives and look at the changes that God is bringing about by the power of the spirit in our lives and we can only explain them by something supernatural working within me i look at my life and i see the changes that god is doing and i know it's not me it's him it is proof that the source of life is alive and well and he is working in this world and he's working in me and so i rejoice with thanksgiving for it and then what should we do well we should rejoice with thanksgiving and then serve him with the life that he gives us even now how stop killing him and keep killing sin instead use that life that he gives us as jackhammers to jackhammer sin instead of him and how do we do that it's by repentance repent when we become christians we continue to repent as christians that's how we jackhammer sin we see the sin we say we're sorry for it and we turn from it We as Christians so often will put up with the sin. We'll try anything, even our own strength, to overcome it. But what's the best thing you can do with sin when you see it? Say sorry to God. There's something in our minds, pride that's there that doesn't want to say sorry. But that's what we're to do. And God, thankfully, through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us life to do it, to actually say sorry, as we see sin in our lives as Christians and overcome it by repentance. And as we do that, as we jackhammer the sin in our lives, what are we doing? We're jackhammering through suffering that comes from sin and the death that comes because of sin. We're jackhammering our way all the way to heaven itself. One day we will pass through death itself because of the source of life that works within us and our overcoming sin. And we will rejoice with the source of life himself in heaven. We will see the prince of life. We will see the author of life face to face. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, as we have served him with the power that he gives us by the spirit. Let's come before him in prayer. Let's come to him now. Lord Jesus, we praise you this Easter morning as the author, the source, the prince of life. You created all things, You sustain all things, and you're the one who gives spiritual life, and you're the one who gives eternal life. You truly are the source of life. But Lord, we confess this morning that we, along with the rest of humanity, have been guilty of killing you far too many times. Even once would be enough, but Lord, we have seen it again and again, that we have tried to suppress you in our unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you that you forgive us that you allow us who believe to have life in you again. And we have eternal life even now. The death has no sting for us anymore because our sin has washed away and the sting of death is sin. And so, Lord, we rejoice now and look forward to the times of refreshing that are to come in this world for us as we live by your life and the times of refreshing that are to come in heaven itself. Lord, we ask that you would help us as we wait, that we would kill sin instead of you. And so rejoice in your life within us by the power of the Spirit. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is still murdering you, still killing you, the source of life in their minds, oh Lord, we pray that you would grant them life now, that your Holy Spirit would work upon their hearts and grant them repentance and faith, and that they would turn to you, And know the spiritual life that you give, but also know the eternal life that is coming to them because they now rejoice in you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.